based on happenstance. And happenstance is based on circumstances around us and what happens, even things that are out of our control. So happiness is based on if the circumstances are right and in our favor. But joy is completely different. Joy works even if the circumstances are bad. Joy can flow through us. Come on, this is good news, right? Joy is such a wonderful thing. I don't know why we as the church have reduced joy down to something that is more of a mental thing that we talk about instead of really giving joy off and living in joy. Joy is wonderful. The Word says that in His presence is fullness of joy. So if there's not joy in my life, perhaps I might suggest that we're outside of his presence a little bit. Yes, his presence is everywhere. It's all over. It's around us all the time. But it's that manifest presence that produces the joy inside. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You've been in places before, been in times before where the circumstance around you does not look good, but you find that there's a joy that comes out anyway. Isn't it wonderful? That's because you're feeling the presence of God. Because in his presence is the fullness of joy. But wait, it gets worse. The word says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Wow. So anybody feel weak? Feel like you can't do it? Feel like you're in a place where, wow. It all comes back to the presence of the Lord then. The presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. Come on. This is good news for you this morning, isn't it? It's interesting. The word joy is so pregnant. It's so full of meaning that in Hebrew, there's actually 14 different words that get used for joy because there's so many different nuances to it. And even in the Greek, there's eight different words that get used for joy because there's so, it's so rich. It's so full. It's kind of like the word shalom. You guys familiar with the word shalom? The word shalom means peace. But even that word shalom has so much inside of it that it's we don't do it justice just by calling it peace. Because we know what peace is, right? Peace also comes from the presence of the prince of peace, right? He's called the prince of peace. So peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of the prince of peace in the middle of the conflict. Amen. And there's, therefore, there's the, peace, the peace comes. Why am I bringing this up? Because in this season that we're entering into, this Christmas season, what do you see on Christmas cards? You see words like joy, love, peace, right? You see these. There's deep meaning inside of these things. They're not just words that are used for a season. There's something for us to grab a hold of. I would like to see in the church for us to grab a hold of joy. I mean, really grab a hold of joy. Do you know what I'm talking about? We, we reduce joy down to something very stoic when we come into the church, Right? Even in Christmas season, I was talking with someone this morning about this, that oftentimes when you get into Christmas season or you do special Christmas things, it was, yeah, we, we dress up a little bit better, we come in and we, you know, we're, we sing Christmas carols and, and that's all wonderful and stuff, but it's almost like we, we get caught up in the outward appearance of things and we need to look well, we need to present well, you know, we're doing Christmas Eve service here, you guys ever do Christmas Eve service, right? I love Christmas Eve service, we're doing one here. On the 24th, actually. <laughs> and I love Christmas Eve service. It's, there's so much fun in it. It's the family coming together. It's singing Christmas carols. It's being to cel- getting to celebrate communion together. 
hearing what other families are doing through the Christmas season. I love that. But why is it in the church sometimes we turning it into a very stoic thing? Now, I'm all about reverence. I'm all about that. But I'm, I don't know why we take this thing, this wonderful thing called joy, and reduce it down to something that's like, I have the joy of the Lord. <laughs> really? Where is it? <laughs> that's a different kind of joy you're talking about right there. That's not the one that I know of. Psalm 119, verse 68 says, Of the Lord, you are good and you do good. You are good and you do good. These are great passages of scripture to hold on to. Psalm 119, verse 68. You don't need to turn there, but remember this. Psalm 119, 68 says, You are good and you do good. That's what he does. In Acts chapter 8, I'm just going to read some of these things to you. Not all of them, but I'm going to give you a number of scriptures this morning. So look at Acts chapter 8 with me real quick. You guys have your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, whatever you use. This is the section over here that has Acts chapter 8 memorized. So who, ha- who wants to read it? Who wants to quote it? Acts chapter 8. Just making sure you're awake over there. Acts chapter 8. Look in, look in verse 4. I, I like this because it shows me a little bit about what the church should look like. Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it says, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Come on, that's, that's good news right there, right? Scattered, going everywhere preaching the word. What it would look like if the church were doing that now? Going everywhere preaching the word. Amen. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And look at verse 8. And there was great joy in that city. Do you see there's a connection between the manifestation of the Spirit, the miracle-working power of God, and how joy flows? I say more miracles. I say more signs and wonders. As a matter of fact, the Word says that it was signs and wonders that accompany the Word. And so if there is not signs and wonders accompanying our word, maybe we have to ask the question, what kind of word are we giving? We've reduced the gospel down to something that makes me feel good or something that gives me goosebumps that I try to take out of this room and apply it in my daily life. I just don't know if it works like that. I think the real gospel in and of itself has so much power and signs and wonders follow it that it brings such transformation on the inside that people who weren't necessarily happy people become very, very happy people. Psalm 16, I already quoted that one to you. Psalm 16, verse 11, in his presence is the fullness of joy. Romans 14, 7 says the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Right? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Now think about that. There's three things there. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what the word says. This is what the kingdom is made of. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Two-thirds of the kingdom is experiential. You can experience peace, right? You can experience joy. Righteousness is, well, we all know what righteousness is. It's a, it's, a, it's a state of being. It's what God has called us into and brought us into is righteousness. It's a righteousness not found in our own, but inside of him. We all understand that. So two-thirds of the kingdom then is experiential. Peace and joy. Peace and joy. Who wants more of the kingdom? Man, I do. 
I do. I don't, I'm not talking about this stuff because I've got it all together. I'm talking about this because I need it as much as anything else. Amen. You can't take me serious with the Santa hat on, can you? <laughs> That's right. I told you we're a little weird around here and it's a little loose, so. But Andrew, that's offensive. I don't care. We love it. It's joyful. It's joyful. That's good. I like it. It's joyful. Psalm 2, verse 4, says that he who sits in heaven shall laugh. And the context of that passage of Scripture is against all things that come against God's will and God's way. And he who sits in heaven, God himself, he laughs. Isn't this good to know that our Father who sits in heaven, he laughs? Especially at the things that come against us and what hinders us. Well, doesn't God have wrath? Yeah, he's got wrath. But his wrath is not aimed at you. It's aimed at the very thing that keeps you from encountering him. That's what wrath is aimed at. Otherwise, if wrath is aimed at you, we've got a schizophrenic crazy God. I was talking with someone about this the other day, even concerning healing. There's a theology in the church concerning sickness that says God, God allowed me to have this sickness so it would draw me into a closer relationship with him. Boy, that's a pretty manipulative God. If he's got to give you sickness so that you'll love him and be close to him. Now, we would all say on this planet, that's incredibly unhealthy, wouldn't it? Well, why do we give those attributes to God? When the very thing that cripples sickness, sin, disease... Addiction, bondage, the very thing that cripples and hurts us, God's wrath is aimed directly at that. And I like this, that Psalm 2 says that he sits in heaven and laughs. What if we were to adopt his mindset for a little bit? What if we were to adopt his way of thinking, and when things start coming against us like that, we learn to laugh at it? Learn to laugh at it. Lord, in your presence is the fullness of joy. So, Lord, in your presence, I'm going to learn to laugh. I'm going to learn to laugh at these things that come against me, that come against my family. Right? Isaiah 61, what a great passage of scripture. Jesus quotes it in Luke chapter 4 when he's in the temple. It's that wonderful passage, right? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, right? But one of the things he says in there is that he will give the oil of joy for mourning. In other words, I'll give you this if you'll give me that. I'll give you the oil of joy. Give me the mourning. I'll give you the oil of joy. I'm not saying that there aren't seasons that we don't mourn. Of course there is. The word also says to mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep, but rejoice with those who rejoice. This is a good thing. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Have any of you ever had a family member or a close friend or a coworker or somebody somewhat close to you just, just get radically blessed by something, like win the lottery or get a brand new car or something? Anybody ever had that happen? Right? Close to something. I mean, where they've just like come into some real blessing of some kind, something. You know what the best thing you can possibly do in that moment right there is not go into, man, I wish that would happen to me. You know how to get it to happen to you? Start rejoicing with them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Start rejoicing with them. It's very important, right? I don't know, just a thought. Maybe we ought to try that sometime. The next time somebody does something and they're, you know, that's why I like to rejoice even with people after we do what we do here. They, they unpack a gift and they give it to us, and I rejoice with them that God has given them, given them that ability to do that very thing right there. Isn't it wonderful? And you know what you do when we do that, when we rejoice with somebody? We advance the kingdom because we're saying yes and amen. 
to everything that God just put inside of you. I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that. And as it begins to come out, the individuals begin to find their own. They begin to find that thing that God's put inside them of, and not just the gift itself, but what the gift is for. Sweetheart, you have a wonderful gift. You do have a a wonderful gift. How old are you now? 13 in a few days. Are you kidding me? She's 12 years old and can communicate like that. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff inside of you. As you develop that, you just really before the Lord more than anything else. It's not about practice. It's about really in the presence of the Lord, letting him reveal to you more about what that's like. Because there, be there could be a wonderful orator in you. I don't know, but there could be something absolutely phenomenal that comes out of you because you were moving us with the word you were speaking. Isn't that wonderful? So we rejoice with those who rejoice. We, we, we acknowledge let joy fill the room. That's why this is so much fun doing this on Sunday mornings. I love this. Andy said we ought to do this more often. I'm thinking maybe we should. I don't know what it looks like, but isn't it wonderful? Yeah, yeah come on. The passage that we often read this time of year that's found in Luke chapter 2. Uh, I, for the longest time, I thought it came from the Peanuts Christmas movie, but it really is out of Luke chapter 2. <laughs> You know the part where it says, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great... Isn't that interesting? With the onset, the advent, the incarnation of God himself on this planet, that was the news that was brought. I bring you good tidings of great joy. I think in the church we've turned it around a little bit. Jesus is coming and depressions come with him. Oh, yeah. Now you give your life to Jesus. Now we've got to go back into... All right. Some kind of monastic society is what we think Christianity is, where you know, we walk around and we have to be... We don't talk, because you don't talk in church, right? You're not supposed to talk in church. You're supposed to do what the leader tells you to do. Simon says. We've turned it into a, the doldrums of coming to church and we sit there and it's like, okay. You know, I understand. I know. I've been a part of church services before too where it's like funerals have more life in them than those things do. <laughs> Sorry, was that a bit off size there? <laughs> but even with funerals, they should have joy in it. If there's someone who knows Jesus, it's like what an incredible amount of joy is found in that. Even to the degree where we might even be going, dang it, you got there before me. <laughs> I'm not saying I want to leave this planet right now. I'm just simply saying there is a level of joy inside of that. Oh, God, you're good. You're good. Luke chapter 6, 21 and 22. I'll make you look at that one. Make you. You get to. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 21. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall... Do we not have it up there? Oh, laugh. Sorry, I didn't set them up very well this morning. That's not their fault. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Come on, this is good. That word there, blessed, is makaridzu. Not that you need to remember that. But it literally means, literally means hugely happy. Come on, that's good, right? Hugely happy. 
Come on. I'm going to preach to this side of the room. Hugely happy. Yeah, there you go. Right. I'm just checking to see if you're awake. I, hugely happy. Come on. Blessed, happy. The, the whole Beatitudes is filled with this. When we see the word blessed, that's really what it's saying. Hugely happy. Enormously happy. A joyful people. I really do think that as much as we love to go after and contend for miracles, signs, and wonders in the church, I, I really do want to see that. I don't ever want to let up on that. What would it look like if joy began to be the marker of the church? Where it was everywhere you go. You, know, you guys know what it's like to be around somebody who's just genuinely joyful, right? Do you know people like that? You do? Good. They're fun to be around, aren't they? They're happy. You're like, can't wait to be around that person because they're just so much fun. I've got family members like this. My brother's like that. He's like, he's like crazy. He's, he's very gifted at doing impressions. And he's super witty and spontaneous. When we were in Texas, we had gone to dinner with most of my family. It was all brothers and sisters and their wives and stuff. We all went to dinner. We're coming back. It was about a 25, 30-minute ride. We were coming back from dinner. And he just starts going off in the car. We are laughing so hard. I mean, my stomach's hurting. I'm crying. I'm like, this is, I'm like, stop it, stop it. Just stop for a minute. <laughs> and, you know, something would come out and you'd start laughing. And then on the heels of it, another thing would just come out like that. And you're like, whoa, my gosh. You know, just, just this pain. And you're like, I remember, I think I was saying that at one point. You are lying. You're lying. That is not true. I mean, he was saying things that were like, oh, gosh, incredibly funny. I think that is part of what the kingdom should look like. Shouldn't it? Come on, are you with me? That is what part of the kingdom should look like. If I have more joy outside of the church than I do inside the church, then man, what kind of God do I have? If I've got to go outside, to, outside the church to find some fun, man, what kind of God do we have? It should be joyful, right? Come on. I like that. Four people are listening. It's funny. It's like outside the church, if somebody cries, oh, something's wrong. Inside the church, somebody cries, God's touching them. (laughs) Right? Outside the church, somebody laughs. It's like, ooh, wow, that sounds like fun. I want to go be a part of that. Inside the church, somebody laughs. It's like, oh, what's going on over there? (laughs) Well, why don't we let it loose in the church? Well, Andrew, that could get chaotic. Awesome! Some of the best things in the kingdom lie right outside my control. They do. Oh, but Andrew, I like a God that I can encapsulate and keep inside here. Just right there. I like for him to be right there come on now we're getting it well Luke 10 21 Acts 13 52 I'm just giving these to you because it's all in there and I'll make you turn to it Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit Luke 10 21 says Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit Okay, note to self. Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. 
what if we get a little more Holy Spirit inside of us? Hmm. John 7, Jesus even says, hey, if any man thirsts, let him come after me. Out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water, right? And he spoke of that referring to Holy Spirit. It says in John 7 that he was talking about the Holy Spirit who had not been given yet because he had not been glorified. But now Jesus is glorified and Holy Spirit comes, right? Have you guys ever... Okay, I'm going to offend some people here, so I'm just going to prep you, all right? You ever been around drunk people? Yes. You ever been around drunk, happy people? Yes. It's hilarious. Yeah. I'm serious, it is. It's hilarious. It's like all the inhibitions are gone, and they're like just letting things out that are hilarious. Now, I know there's other kinds of effects that it has on people, and I'm not condoning. <sighs> qualifier, qualifier, qualifier. Okay. You hear where I'm headed with this, right? Being filled with the Spirit does produce some things that oftentimes people will look at and go, you are out of your freaking mind. Why do you think Acts chapter 2 is what it is? Why did Peter have to stand up and say, these people aren't drunk as you suppose? Drunk people do weird things. Now, we don't know what, they're, what they were doing. We know they were speaking in different tongues. And we don't know. It doesn't say specifically what they were doing. But if he had to say they're not drunk as you suppose, then they had to have been acting at some level like drunk people. So what does that look like? I don't know. It's probably a lot of fun. (laughs) No, I'm really going to offend you. If you could do this with me. All right. Everybody's got a container. All right. This is a giant cup that you're holding on to right here. And it's filled with Holy Spirit. Everybody take a big drink. Right? Oh. Yeah, see, that some of you felt that, right? That felt good, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, I've talked about this before, and I know it's offended people. It's not my goal. It is not my goal to offend. But I, I do believe this. Oftentimes, God offends the mind to reveal the heart. <laughs> Just try it. That's all I'm saying. Just try it sometime. Oh, boy. Acts 13.52 says, disciples, the disciples were continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. If Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah, uh-huh. If Jesus was filled with Holy Spirit, disciples were filled with Holy Spirit, perhaps we should be filled with Holy Spirit. Right? Ephesians 5.18 says what? Yeah, be not, that's right, see, see, you start getting, you start getting filled with joy in the spirit of God like that, you can start quoting scripture like crazy. I know for a fact she's never memorized that. I'm just kidding. 
It actually says, Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, which again, we've talked about this. The language construct there actually says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be being continually filled with Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing process. People ask me, well, how many times do you have to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? I don't know. Just keep going. Get filled with the Holy Spirit and keep going. Just say more. I'll take some more. I'll take some more. Just keep dumping it on me. I'll take some more. All I know is it feels really good when Holy Spirit comes inside of me and begins to come out of me. It says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. The beautiful thing about being intoxicated in the Spirit is there's no hangover. Yeah. Everyone who laughed like... Yeah. Yep. Being drunk with, with wine, with alcohol, can leave collateral damage. Being drunk with the Spirit can leave collateral blessing. Everybody around you gets blessed. Oh, gosh. Oh, I'm going to hear about this tomorrow. Galatians 5, right? Galatians 5, we find there's a... the. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, joy, peace, right? There it is again, right? There it comes again. That's part of being filled with the Spirit. You produce fruit, and that fruit's joy. One of those fruit is joy, which actually it's all fruit right there, but we won't go into that. First Thessalonians 5.16, be joyful when? Always. Always. I'm serious. What would it look like if the church was just so fun? People around us in our workplaces, at our schools, everywhere would just be like, man, I don't know what's all over you, but that looks awesome. I want to hang out with you for a little while. I think I've told you this before. I had somebody say that to me one time. It was one of the most awesome things I had ever had somebody say to me. It wasn't an encouraging word about my gifts or my abilities. It was just being so filled with the Spirit. I was playing in a rock band at the time. It wasn't even a Christian rock band. I was touring around in the United States and... uh, God, while I was playing with the rock band, that's when God really came in and did a huge transformation in my life. And after that happened, I kept touring with this band. And we're out. I don't remember where we were playing. It was somewhere up north. We were playing, and we had a break. And we go outside. I'm sitting outside this bar, this outside the kitchen on the loading dock with the accordion player, if that tells you anything about the band. And we're sitting out there, and I'm just leaning up against the back rail with him, and he's sitting there with me, and he's, yeah, I don't know what that is all over you, but I want some of that. That was the most wonderful thing I could have heard, because I wasn't trying to witness to him. I wasn't trying to bring the gospel. He just saw joy all over me. He saw something happy, something wonderful that was coming off off of me. A little later on, the bagpipe player tells you more about the band. (laughs) The bagpipe player did the same thing. Isn't that awesome? Man, I love those kinds of things. That's that's what the church should look like when we're so full of joy. People are like, dang it, that's awesome. What is going on inside of you? And even if you can't explain it, you can just say, I don't know, but it feels really, really good. And here's the good thing, because one of the wonderful parts of Scripture that we often overlook is the laying on of hands. And if you don't even know how to describe it, you can just walk up to somebody and go, take that. 
You ever tried that? You don't need to have some fancy prayer. You don't need to have some kind of well-formed thought and make sure that it's biblical. Just walk up to them and go, get them. Take that. I'm just trying to bring some modern language to it. That's all. But it might work. Just give it a shot. (laughs) Galatians 4 Here's Paul going back to the church and he's saying to him, what happened to all your joy? What happened to you? You were beginning, you began in the spirit, now you're trying to perfect yourself in the flesh. That's what religion does though. Religion will take joy and it will squash it and it will push it way down so that you can say, yeah, I've got joy, but there is no evidence in your life. No evidence in my life, no evidence at all. There's, that's a good marker to find out if we've got religion inside of us. It is. I believe that. If you want to know if you have religion inside of you, check your joy meter. Because joy will crush it, or religion will crush joy down. Because, I don't, let me say it this way. I love to see the uniqueness in every individual. I, lo- I love to see that. 1 Peter 4.10 is a big passage of scripture for me, especially when it comes to people operating in their giftings. If anyone speaks, if anyone has a gift, let him minister the gift. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the very oracles of God, because in it, the manifold wisdom of God is made known. You've heard me talk about this before. I don't like it when people get up on a platform and they sing and say, I just want to disappear. So all you see is Jesus. Come on. Come on. I know who Jesus is. All right. And I want to see him too, but seeing him come through you is beautiful. And he comes through you like nobody else. So let it come out. I love seeing that happen. I love seeing the uniqueness in each individual come out. But what religion does is it wants to crush that. Religion says, I want to make... You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. You, can, you can walk even into this church right here and spend a lot of time trying to figure out how they do things. It's, nothing, it's not entirely wrong, but you might be trying, okay, what's the language they use? How do they worship? Do they lift their hands? Do they put their hands down? Do they jump? Do they, do they run? Do they, do, you know what I'm saying, right? That's religion. That's religion. Let the Spirit do whatever the Spirit does. Just let that happen. Don't worry about it. But Andrew, it might get chaotic. I know. I like chaos. I I just have to trust at some level God's bigger. That he is bigger. Well, what about people who have that selfish thing where they just want to do their own thing? Well, that's pretty easy to fix. It's pretty easy to fix. Well, what about those people who make things up and they, they, they pretend to be all this? Well, God love them. Let's get some healing. Let's just get some healing on that. That's really all we need. It's just a soul deficit. It's trying to suck something out of the room instead of bring something into it. That's all it is. It's okay. We can deal with that. Let's don't squash joy is simply what I'm saying. How big is joy? I think it's endless. I think it's endless. I do. I think it's endless. It's just, it's endless. Everybody stand up with me here. Oh, God, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Is this good for you this morning? This was fun, man. This was so fun this morning.